Welcome, welcome to episode 9 of the High Level Playcast. Today is the 12th of November 2011. It has just gone midday and is shaping up to be quite a nice weekend indeed. I am your host, Deckard49, and joining me today is... Absolutely no one, I'm afraid. Flying solo on this occasion, Tamriel has exerted its influence mesmeric and uh, enraptured. All should behold it. Um... Everyone is in Tamriel, apart from my good self, a fact which the people I normally would have called quite close friends are continually pointing out in quite an amusing manner, you fucking swines. Okay, no, so there is a little bit of a story behind this, I imagine. Um, I recently discovered the Amazon lockers, so it is my tendency, if I'm really, really keen on a, on a game on day one, I will literally just go down to, to the supermarket and just buy it on the way home from work or during lunch and that you know that's normally what I do normally battlefield free etc etc um, on this occasion I very recently discovered that amazon.co.uk actually have these lockers um, around London and I, I, I happen to live quite close to one of them so I've been testing out these lockers it's it's quite it's quite it's quite a sweet system actually so you know your delivery dress you you stipulate as one of these lockers and then you literally pitch up to the locker which is inside like a big mall um, if there can be such a thing in England, I don't want to sound incredibly Americanized. And it's a touchscreen thing, and you type in your your code, which they email to you. And the locker in question, there's 40 of them or so, or varying sizes. Locker in question pops open, and out comes your product. Um, I tested it out a couple of times and actually find it really, really useful. So I decided that I was going to, on this occasion, order a couple of games actually. So Super Mario 3D Land. I also got. Um, the Elder Scrolls Skyrim, and I also got Spirit Tracks, which is a, a DS game, a Zelda game, but you know, I've, I've, I wanted to pick that up as well. So I decided I was going to get them delivered to my locker. <sighs> Pavlonian conditioning kicked in, I guess, and since I've done the process 500 times before, I immediately selected my home address and put the order through. Recognized 20 seconds or so later that I'd put it through to the wrong place, tried to change it from my home address to the locker address. But I guess Amazon are quite worried about fraud and, you know, people stealing cards and then changing the address midway through and all those type of shenanigans. But the upshot is um, that you can't change to a locker, it would appear, once you've stipulated a home address. So. I guess I was counting on Skyrim to come to my house. Delivery uh, was dispatched. Estimated date of delivery yesterday. Obviously, you know, Saturday morning. I still haven't seen the game. Um, there, quite, there was quite a tragic and um, what I will consider uncouth occurrence this morning. In that, I also ordered a book called uh, called How We Make Decisions. It's you know, it's like, it's a pop science book about um, neuroscience and what happens if you have affect certain parts of the brain. How does that change behavioural patterns? You know, and there's some famous examples from you know from uh, scientific studies and things of that nature. So I ordered that to come to my house, and they said the delivery estimate on that was going to be four to six weeks because I had to get it in stock. 
Um, got down to my, my post box this morning. Lovely. A beautifully uh, game-shaped package was awaiting me on the floor. So I was like, oh, fuck those guys. They can stay t stop taking a piss out of me now because I've got my hands on my copy of Skyrim. Um, open the package. Suffice to say, it was the book which wasn't supposed to be here for six to eight weeks. Uh, Sod's lore is funny that way. So I guess this is a long-winded way of saying most of my people, um, including, you know, uh, are, are intimate and and uh, evanescent co-conspirator Kirkus Manerkus is currently tied up with the Dragonborn and chasing dragons and, as I understand it, shouting at them or gaining shouts from them. I'm not exactly sure how it works. Fuck the postman is what I say to that. Anyway, there is quite a lot of stuff going on at the moment, um, game-wise, industry-wise, and I just wanted to touch base with you. This, this is going to be a different format, obviously. Um, it's probably going to be a lot shorter, but I, I want to... I want to keep you guys in the loop with the stuff that I'm finding interesting. And um, hopefully we'll be back to our, our regular programming format in the not-too-distant future. So, that being said, I guess the caretaking stuff should be addressed. We do have an email address. We are at highlevelplay at gmail.com. And you can send any emails that you want to have there. Comments, suggestions, complaints, etc., etc. More than happy to engage. So if you have any burning queries, put them through to that email address. Now, that's the touchy-feely stuff out of the way. Let's uh, have some intermission music and then we'll jump straight in. See you on the other side.
So, big releases. There have been a few of late. Uh, there's a couple of games, most notably Batman Arkham City and also Battlefield 3, that I would like to discuss in a group environment. Although there is one which I've just completed and would like to give you my impressions on now, and that's, that's Uncharted 3. Obviously, the third entry in the series, Naughty Dog, the developer, continue to chart, excuse the pun, the adventures of Nathan Drake and his uh, co-conspirators as they globetrot across the world in, well, will we say world peace and an end to suffering? <laughs> no, we shall not. They're after a fuck ton of treasure, as per always. Now, a quick side note before I delve into the actual mechanics of this game. Um, those of you who know me will know that Uncharted 2 is possibly my game of this particular generation. When it came out, it was absolutely stunning. The visuals, the interfaces, the systems, the way that the game was so cinematic was completely unlike anything I'd ever seen before. And actually, is one of my games of all time. Now, I guess the question is, how how do you follow that up? How how do you come back from something like that? I did subsequent to playing Uncharted 2, go back and try and play the first, and it, it pales in comparison. So I was a little bit trepidatious actually going into the third. You know, I'd, I'd heard the stories of them creating tech, the likes of which had never been seen, you know, particularly things around a tanker and a chateau which is on fire. But like, what do you do? What options do you have when you're trying to make Uncharted 3? I guess you've got a couple. You can try and clone. You can try to tried and tested with a couple of flourishes here and there. Or you can try and do something completely different. Um, and Naughty Dog took the former. They basically, they've literally cloned Uncharted 2. The structure, you know, the narrative, the animation, the systems, the weapons. It is 
a complete continuation. But when something's this good, I, I'm really hesitant to, to do the, the, the point 0.5 that we'd normally do. Um, I won't call this Uncharted 2.5 because Uncharted 2 is, is probably better than most of the other games that I've played in that genre ever for you know since I've been playing games. So how does Uncharted 3 fare, keeping this in mind? Pretty fucking well, to be completely honest. Overall, the package is, uh, the package is excellent. The single-player game has the same explosive moments that you remember. A little bit slower on the first half, it seems. It's paced somewhat differently, this game, actually. And in fact, if we were going to break it down into a games of halves, the first half would probably be the weaker. It's, it's generally speaking when things get to uh, the ship tanker that things start to pick up speed. Um, but no matter which part of the game you're actually in, looks absolutely incredible. It's difficult to, to convey just how exquisite Uncharted 3 looks, the visuals. You know, in my mind, it cements the PlayStation hardware as the top kit of this generation. Not only is there attention to detail, the likes of which you've never seen before, but also the cinematic way in which Naughty Dog present the game really helped to sell it. And, you know, even what's interesting for an action game of this type is Naughty Dog aren't afraid to take risks in the sense that they will quite happily put you in an environment where there's no shooting, there's, you know, there's no traversal. You are literally just walking through a market or some such and marveling over the detail of the wares and the people sharing the wares and just using that right stick to scope it all out and just marvel at how beautiful it all is really. Um, suffice to say, those sections never last too long. They never outstay their welcome and when the shooting does start, which inevitably it does, uh, the game does let itself down a little bit. Now shooting's never been Uncharted's strongest suit. And from popular opinion and also my own experience, it seems that Naughty Dog have done a couple of things here which have made it probably slightly worse than it was previously. Now I remember being quite comfortable with the shooting in Uncharted 2 and, and how it played out and a couple of core changes I've made in this iteration is that um, the crosshair slows down as it approaches the enemies at different speeds, it kind of magnetises to them. It's, a, it's like an auto-aim thing I guess and it just doesn't feel 100% right, particularly if you're going for something like a headshot and you're judging the way the crosshair is moving and all of a sudden it, it kind of moves off its own accord if you like. Um, also. It can be a little bit disconcerting. The second thing which they've done is they've tweaked the physics um, behind the way the bullets leave the gun. I know it's incredible, you know, it's absolutely incredible the things these guys have to think of, but apparently they've improved the physics in relation to Uncharted 2. When you shot a gun in Uncharted 2, the bullet didn't necessarily leave the chamber of the gun at the angle the gun was pointed and they've uh, remedied that on this occasion but unfortunately it doesn't seem like it's actually making it easier or you know more importantly more fun to shoot people it will be interesting to see whether or not they um they actually patch some of this stuff because they've come out and said look this is how it is this is how we've built the game but I think there's quite a strong bit of backlash on it so I'll be curious to see how that actually pans out so shooting you know not so hot but like like I said, not what you're coming to Uncharted for. And what we are, or at least what we should be coming to Uncharted for, in my opinion, is the story and the characters. And I'm very, very pleased to say that, once again, this is an area where Uncharted excels, setting the benchmark for all other games to follow. This really is a representation of, of the apex of interactive digital character portrayal. The script, the voiceover, the extended motion capture and blocking blend together seamlessly to give you 
an experience unlike any other. The overall plot, which in many respects is the least interesting and probably important aspect of the story, is, is the same as before. It's, it's very Da Vinci Code-esque, with a smattering of the supernatural as the story progresses. The character dynamics, however, have changed this time around. It's, uh, it's a lot less about Drake's cockmanship, as it may have been in previous games, and it seems to focus in on the relationship between Drake and Sully, father and son. We even get an extended sequence where we're playing as a boy Drake and we encounter Sully for the first time. It really is an interesting kick to see both of these characters in their younger years, if you like. In terms of tone, this game also suggests a lot more vulnerability. They seem to spend quite a long time foreshadowing something unpleasant is going to happen to either Drake or Sully. And as we know, Drake is the main protagonist of the series. He can't die, can he? So we start feeling very, very anxious every time Sully comes anywhere near danger. And he comes increasingly so as the game progresses. No spoilers, obviously, but I think there'll be a couple of things which, you'll, uh, which you quite enjoy in terms of the narrative. While we're reflecting on the good parts of Uncharted 3, obviously this game is well known for its spectacle in moments. It's uh, almost Hollywood-esque high production action sequences and, you know, suffice to say, there are a number of key ones in this game which probably outdo anything in any of the previous Uncharted games. Although from Uncharted 2, getting attacked by a helicopter while a building was falling down was probably the highlight of that game for me. I could go on, but I feel I've given you enough of my impressions for you to have a think about, food for thought, chew it over. If there's anything you'd like to add, argue, disagree about, feel free to give me a shout. And um, let's jump into some news, actually. We'll flip back and forth between the games. Let's see what's going on in the news. How about this for a headline, guys? Modern Warfare 3 sells 6.5 million in its first 24 hours, sets new Xbox Live records. Now, I imagine that you, perhaps like me, are feeling somewhat silly about falling into the hype and actually believing that Battlefield 3 may have had a chance of toppling this behemoth. Oh yes! We even took the opportunity to factor in Infinity Ward's mass walkout, even though your average modern warfare punter probably doesn't know who in Infinity Ward are. As I mentioned earlier, I'm trying to put together a few key people to actually do a Battlefield-centric um, podcast or segment, if not podcast, um, to discuss this in more detail. But between these sales figures, the shit that EA been talking and the terrible launch of Battlefield 3, which was not reflected by the Modern Warfare 3 launch, I think we've probably got a clear-cut winner now, like it or not, internet. While we're talking about users, I'll quickly slip in another little news piece. Um, Xbox Live's head of marketing, Robin Burrows, has said that Xbox Live gains a new user every two seconds, which is a nice interesting figure, although there's got to be some uh, statistical shenanigans going on behind the scenes there. St 
sticking with numbers here and I can't help but feel this is a little bit of damage limitation publicity but apparently the 3DS at this current point in time is outselling in the US the original Nintendo DS. 3DS sales at this point are 1.65 million and Nintendo are using that to indicate that it's not as unpopular as we think. Although we should probably point out that the original Nintendo DS, the brick, the thing that I gave away in the end after I'd finished using it for a doorstop, didn't sell particularly well in its first year. But um, I've expressed an intent to actually keep track in handheld sales throughout the majority of the life of this podcast. Kirk and I actually do believe that the, the PlayStation Vita will be the last incarnation of a dedicated game only handheld that we'll see so i might get my hands on some more detailed figures as we go along and um, and feed them back to you i don't want to bore you but i do i do think the headlines are actually quite interesting on this account my next piece of news is about the wii u not something i've said often so far and not something i envisage myself saying too often in the future but this might tickle you so it has been confirmed that um, ninja gaiden 3 Razor's Edge will be a Wii U launch title, um, perhaps once again indicating Nintendo's swing back to mature content in games, and it seems like this is a pendulum which they keep swinging back and forth on. Um, a bid, no doubt, to interest some third-party developers in putting out more than shake your fucking Wii remote at the TV games, which I believe we're all pretty sick of. So Ninja Gaiden 3 on the Wii U could be interesting. I do intend at some point to do a Wii U centric podcast and just discuss the hardware and to be completely frank whether or not Nintendo are going to make the same mistakes they've made time and time again but that will come in due course my friends. While we're on the handheld tip I will inform you that Sony about six years late have announced that they're going to have a PSP UMD program. So this is a PSP to Vita UMD program, which means that you will be able to port over your UMD games to your PlayStation Vita for a reduced price. The details still seem a little bit sketchy. Uh, all I can say is it's about fucking time, Sony, that you've done something with this. Well, I think that's enough for one week. Like I said, I've got plans to put some more interesting content together for you guys. So hopefully I'll be back with you shortly. Enjoy your time. <laughs>